0: Welcome to the King's Cost dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I want you to turn your Bibles with me this morning to First Peter 1. 1 Peter 1. And I'm going to read from the NIV, which should come up on the screen. Hallelujah. First Peter 1, and verse 1, it says this, To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. It's interesting, before I even move on there, a lot of people say, particularly when I evangelize to Islamic, uh, in Islamic nations, a lot of people challenge and say that the Trinity doesn't exist in the Bible. Well, there you've just got it right at the very beginning there, is a description of the Trinity. Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, You love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for salvation. The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah. And the glories that would follow. Verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that have been now told to you by those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Verse 13. Therefore, in other words, in light of this, prepare your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to talk to you today on the subject of hope, because I believe that these scriptures that we've just read are all about the hope that we have. Some of you today are probably sat in this room, and the circumstances that you're walking through right now don't give you much hope. Uh, you feel like that the things that you're actually living through don't really give you a sense of hope. And uh, my, my son, Lewis, he plays football in a, in a team and he's a defender. And most Saturdays, I have to take him to different matches. And uh, when I take him to the matches, or I take him to practices sometimes, but particularly matches. Halfway through the match, or they'll normally break it up into four quarters, they'll keep breaking up and changing the teams. But they'll have a little pep talk normally about halfway through. And uh, the, the coach will get them together and talk them through and tell them some of the things that they need to change to try and change the game. Some of the things that they need to do in order and strategies to, to possibly win or just to keep the game at bay. Uh, and, and I find that often uh, that when they do this, sometimes it changes, sometimes it doesn't. But I really feel that, to say to you today that some of you right now feel like you're halfway through the game and things ain't going well. You're halfway through your game and you've already decided it's game over because you've lost hope in your situation and your circumstance. You've lost hope to believe that God could even have the ability to intervene or do anything. And, and so what happens is you're deflated. Uh, you, you're not even... Passionate about moving forward because of the circumstances. And I want to tell you today that, that when, when Peter writes this to all Christians, not just the Jews, but all people, Gentiles as well, it's a message of hope. It's a message to remind them of the great hope that they have. And what he's not doing is a pep talk to try and encourage them just to get some kind of possible win. I've got some good news for you today. And Revelation 22 says this, that there is a reward that's coming. Come on. There's a reward that's coming because Jesus is going to bring it for you. And it's greater than any reward and any trophy you're ever going to get in life. And I know today that we're the winners already. The problem is that Satan wants to get you in a place with circumstances that you feel like there's no trophy coming. There's no victory coming. You see, I don't know about you, but if I, if when I, when I see my son and we go through the season and we get to the end and we went to a, a particular day when they hand out trophies and certificates, sometimes some of the players didn't know they were gonna get the trophies. Some of them didn't know they were going to get these little certificates and and stand there while everyone clapped because they didn't know what they were going to be given. The news is this. Revelation 22 says that we're going to be given a reward. Listen, you're going to get something from Jesus. There is something at the end and it's the salvation of your souls. So no matter what you're going through today, no matter what you're facing, and he talks about the trials Whatever the game looks like, it ain't game over. Come on. Some of you are saying, oh, this is game over. It's not, you don't understand my situation. You don't understand that family member. You don't understand that I've tried to, I've tried everything in my strength. All the strategies. But I'm telling you today that it's never game over with Jesus. It's never game over. Jesus is the game changer. He is the miracle worker. Come on. Do you believe it? Three people do anyway. Do you believe he's the miracle worker? He's the game changer. And he's not just someone who's going to give you a pep talk. He's the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. And we have hope in his name. Do you know there is still power in his blood today? There is still power. In the name of Jesus today. To change your circumstance. But you've got to trust him. You've got to put your hope in him. The title of the message today is this. Back to the future. Some of you have seen that film. Back to the future. If you haven't. You need to check it out. But back to the future. Reason why I called it this is because some of us need to get back to what God's going to do. Some of us are looking behind us. Some of us are so focused on the present. That we're forgetting what the future holds. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, you all know it. He has plans for you. Come on. He's got a future for you. And some of you sat here today, you might not have given your life to Jesus Christ. And you're saying, well, I've heard all this before. You can hear this time and time again, but the truth of the word of God was going to touch you today. Come on. Because he's got a purpose and a plan for you. The devil has tried to destroy you. That's what the devil always does. He tries to destroy your hope. Always, the more you keep going hard for Jesus, you'll get cars blowing up on the way to Grantham. Yeah. Tell me, you won't even get to Grantham sometimes. You'll be saying, Jesus, why didn't I get there? And Jesus is looking at our reaction. How do we respond? Because let me tell you, even though he missed the Grantham teaching, God will still use him. Sometimes in our life, we just... Like, why are these things happening to us? Why am I going through these things? But let me tell you, it's refining your faith. It's getting you ready for something bigger. It's getting you ready for something stronger in you. Hallelujah. Peter's writing to all these Christians who may face trials under Emperor Nero, and possibly their families, the Jews, and people around them. And he's trying to encourage them, because I don't know about you, but I need—I ain't got an Emperor Nero tomorrow. But one thing I do have is problems. We all have, yes. Finances. Issues. Family stuff. Marriage problems. Relations you name it. I could the, the, the list is endless. You ain't got no empanero, or oh, you're like that, that doesn't that doesn't mean anything to me. Yes, it does. You're gonna have problems and trials and difficulties all the time. Do you know what? If this book was alone out of the Bible, was, if Peter had written this book and it was in Heifers in Cambridge, do you know where it would be? The hope section. It would be the hope. You know, I've gone in the bookstores before and I want a book on something. I go to that section because it has been put in that. That's where that book would be. And you've got to get this today because there is hope for you in the midst of these circumstances. Do you know the problem is sometimes, you know what we're doing? We're wandering around the wrong sections in the bookstore. You're looking at the wrong books. Sometimes things that are distracting you. There is some book, you're looking at fictional books. Things that ain't real. You're looking at things that, you've lost the truth. Because you're looking at the fiction. But you've got to get back to the truth. Of the word of God. Hallelujah. That there is... Hope for you. First Peter 1 verse 2 says, You who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus and the sprinkled with His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. I don't know about you, but I need some grace and some peace on my life. And I need it in abundance. Because I need grace. A lot of people talk about the fact of, of grace being something to cover us of our sin. But let me tell you, the Bible and Paul talks a lot about it. Grace empowerment. In order for you to function. I need that some, I need to be a a realization of that in my life every single day. That I'm empowered by the grace of God. Yet I'm covered by his grace and his mercy. But I'm empowered by the resurrection life. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Come on people. That he left the tomb. Hallelujah. The fact that he didn't just die. That there is hope in his name. Hallelujah. By his spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God the Father had foreknowledge of you before time. Did you know that? He's not limited by time. He knew about you. He knew about today. He knew about everything you're going through. It doesn't surprise him. It doesn't surprise him. Galatians 4 verse 4 says, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. I like watching programs on telly about space. And I saw one the other night on BBC, a documentary. And they had five five experts sat on a panel talking and people asking questions about space and and people asking different things and wanting to know these answers and sometimes it's amazing that people, five experts, their little brains trying to respond to questions about the whole universe. You know and and, and sometimes you look at them and thinking these people, they know their stuff but the reality is, is they're just like me and they can only look with their eyes at the same kind of things as I do. But the reality is this, is far bigger. They said, this universe is far, we don't know everything, we've not seen everything. Why? Because of the speed of light. So we're going to see that actually in years to come, if you wait around long enough, when light travels to us, we will see that there is more, but we can't see it now. So so, so the reality is, is that even if you look to the skies, you can't even see everything God's done. It's limited. Even the sun that shines is, the, the time it takes for it to get to your eye is eight minutes. So what you see in the sun was what it was eight minutes ago. And so what we realize is this, that, that actually when we look up to the skies, some people are looking for answers saying, is there life on other planets? Is there, other, is there anything else out there? How did it, this all start? And they're exploring the heavens. My Bible tells me that he made the heavens. And so we can so spend our time looking for the answers and the hope elsewhere. Where can I find hope? Well, the hope is this. We know today the one who made the stars. And when it says in Galatians 4, four, it says that when the set time had fully come, that God sent his son. Let me tell you, you don't have to wait around. Jesus has already been. And he's faster than the speed of light because he is the light of the world. Hallelujah. He's the light of the world. He's the bright morning star. And you know, some of us sometimes we can think, oh, you know what? I've got to look back to the pastor, what he did on the cross. No, you don't, because the blood speaks a better word. The power of his blood is in this room today. It's in this room to touch every life, to bring hope again. In dead situations. Now you could say, oh no, it sounds, it sounds too good to be true. That's fictional. No, it ain't fiction. Because Jesus has been touching lives for the last 2,000 years. Saving people. Healing people. Testimony after testimony after testimony of his goodness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, but, but that was in the past and I didn't see him get crucified. In 1998, some of my friends, there was an eclipse and some of you may remember you had to put your glasses on to see the eclipse of the moon and the sun. I remember stood in the back garden trying to look up into the sky and seeing this eclipse and some people I know missed it. Some people didn't see it. Listen, just because you weren't there when Jesus got crucified doesn't mean the power of his blood can't touch you today. You didn't have to be present there 2,000 years ago because the power of the cross is for all today. For you, hallelujah, it's still the same. John chapter 14 verse 1 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. I love that, that when they were talking the other night on this documentary, and they're saying, you know, if you wait around long enough, you'll get the answers. It's just for it to get to your eyes. Then you'll see. But you know, the Word came. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It's already been. You don't have to wait around for the answer. You just look to Jesus. Because he is the answer. Hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. Colossians 1 verse 15 to 16 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. In other words, you can look all you like, but what you can't see and what you can see, everything's made by him anyway. It's all about him. You see, you don't need a telescope to find him. You don't need a telescope. You don't need a spacecraft to get there. You don't need time to find Jesus. You just need to surrender to him. But so many of us are thinking, is there another way? Is there another way? Of... No, the way is this. It's simple. He's the way, the truth, and the life. You surrender to his word. First Peter 1 verse 8 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. I think it's amazing that what the spirit of God does in our hearts is that when we don't see, we still believe. Come on, some of you right now are not seeing things change in your circumstances. So you don't see any change or you can't see change. Listen, God is always working behind the scenes. I want to remind you that too. he's working behind the scenes of your life right now. Oh, but I've heard this. Way. No, he's working behind the scenes. He never stops. He, never, he loves you. The Bible says that Jesus intercedes for you. You know, he's praying for you all the time. Always. You know, you've got that friend who you send a text and you're hoping that they're praying for you when you sent the text. He's praying for you. He never, ever stops. Hallelujah. Some of you right now in your life are at that halftime and you've made a halftime summary of your life. You summarise the game and said it's not going well. But I've got to tell you, it's not game over for you today. Peter reminds his readers, and I want to just bring three things today that represent the Trinity. The Trinity, God, three in one. The things that that brings us and helps us today on your behalf. Number one is this, that the Father, the Father as imperishable promises kept for us. Come on. The Father as imperishable promises. Promises kept for us. It says this in verse 3 of 1 Peter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven For you, I put here today that God's promises are not an imaginary virtual reality, but an imperishable eternal reality. Come on. Some of us live our Christian life like we've got VR glasses on and it's just, it seems like it's a good idea. Come on, some of you know that you come here and you go through your week and you're not, you're not even believing sometimes in the things that you thought you believed in. You get here and you put your holy virtual reality glasses on and tell yourself that you think you believe. Do you know sometimes it's okay to doubt? Oh, but not, no, you can't doubt. Thomas doubted and look what Jesus did for him. He walked through a wall to him. Come on. He'll come after you because he knows how tough it is sometimes in the circumstances we walk through. And and the difficulties and the challenges that we face. But some of us are living our lives like this. that, That what we read sometimes, we don't get the word in us to believe that it's actually true. And I'm here to tell you, it is not virtual reality. It's eternal reality. Over your life. And it changes you. You know, many times I play with the kids on the... Games console, and we have to go in and change the settings for me because I die straight away. (laughs) I'm so amazed how good they are, you see. I thought I was good when I was younger, but games have advanced. And so before I play a game with them, I have to go into the settings and change how many times it is till I die. And even when I exceed those, it still gives me the opportunity to rejoin the game. They said, Dad, you can rejoin if you want. And it's so simple. Rejoin the game, but really, you know you died. You're playing a game that you know that really you shouldn't be playing. Because you just had another chance. Can I just say to you that God gives chances? God gives you chances today and it ain't game over for you. And listen to me today. No matter what you've gone through. No matter what sin you've committed. No matter what your life looks like right now. It's not game over and you can rejoin the game. Why? Because 2,000 years ago he changed the settings. He changed the settings. Hallelujah. I'm glad that my Father in heaven had the ability and knowledge just like I do with my kids to go into the settings and change it to unlimited. To go in and say that when you fail and things go wrong and there's trials and difficulties, that it's unlimited grace. Oh, Jesus. Come on. We gotta give God the glory because He has given you a promise. But the problem is you don't live your life like that. You live your life like you believe that He's given up on you, that you've hit your limit of lives. That's the devil because the devil condemns and the Holy Spirit convicts. If you've got a voice in your mind today saying that you've hit your limit, that's not God. It's not God. God will only ever say, son, daughter, you do have another chance. Because my blood speaks a better word. It speaks a better word. Some of you right now, so overwhelmed with the sin in your life. So overwhelmed with stuff and you're saying, I wish I didn't do these things. I can't control myself. Listen to me. If you're doing these things, you need to surrender to God and say, God, I can't do it on my own. But I know you can help me. It's your spirit. You've got an inheritance for me. It says here that this inheritance can never perish. (laughs) It can never perish, spoil or fade. Wow. I don't know. Whatever I buy, as, as nice as it looks, it always fades. It always deteriorates. Exactly. You go down and buy a brand new car. You know as well as I do, 10, 15 years down the line, and you ain't got no servicing plan anymore because no one wants to plan for your car because they don't, they know that it's not going to last. It's all the responsibilities on you. Clothes. You can get the finest clothes, the best materials, but they'll always wear out. Whatever you get will f- spoil and fade. But what, what, what it's saying here is, Peter's saying, listen, I've come to this reality to understand That the promises that I have from the Father will never deteriorate. They don't change. Nothing will affect it. And listen, guess what? It's kept in heaven for you. So if anyone at work is trying to damage you at the moment. If anyone at work is trying to damage you and say things against you. If people around you in your family are putting you down. If you're having a troublesome time, let me tell you. Nothing will change that inheritance you have a hope. The promises of imperishable promises kept for us. Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son, what does he do? He says, I want my inheritance now. So he has to split it three ways. You know, you go. And so he goes his way. The older brothers back home with dad. And he goes and he squanders all his wealth on and prostitutes and, and, and uses all this money up. And what happens? We all know the story. At the end, he realizes he's messed everything up. And he's in the field with the pigs and he's looking at the food and, oh, that's the only thing that I can eat. And I'm not going to go back. And some of you right now, you're in that situation where you, you feel like God gave you a chance. He gave you a life in the game. And you took... Part of that inheritance, because believe you and me, that we we do walk in that inheritance now. But we'll get it all in the end. When Jesus Christ is revealed. And we receive the full salvation. You're not fully saved yet, because when you receive the salvation of your souls, when Jesus Christ is revealed. But we walk in it, and some of us, what happens is, we take our share of the inheritance. We're walking in this inheritance that is to come. And then we feel like we've failed God. And what happens is we feel like we've spoilt it and it's faded and it's ruined. The question is, what will we do? The prodigal son came to his senses. He came to his senses, it says, in verse 17. And he said this, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out. And go back to my father. i got some news for you. He said, I want all my share of the estate. Have you noticed something? He, he basically was saying, Dad, I, I can't wait till you die. Can I have it now? Imagine the father. This is the father who waited for him to come back. This is, this is an expression of God's love for you. Wow. That you've got a son who comes to you and says, do you know what? I want to talk about what, it, what happens when you die. Because I ain't bothered about you. I'm more interested in what I want to do than you. That's that puts a whole different concept on the fact of that it ain't game over when the father's waiting for him to come back. That he's waiting knowing that the son didn't want him around. He's not that bothered. And, And and some of us right now we we feel like we've spoiled we've 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 ruined what God once did in our lives. And you end up in the pig pen. But listen, listen to this. Do you know something? The father couldn't give him the holy sticks. He still had a house and a fattened calf ready for him. He never gave him everything. Why? Because he had something kept ready for him. And there is something kept ready for you. And so if you return, the father's always got more. The father's always got more. He didn't give him everything because he's got something kept for him. And he returns back and then there's a fattened calf. And the older brother gets a bit angry and says, Why are you doing this? Why are you doing it? He squandered everything that you gave him. His share. He says, didn't you realize everything I have is yours? Everything. Some of us right now feel like we've ruined what God has done. His perception said this. That his portion had perished, his season spoiled and his future was faded. But listen, when your perception changes, when you see hope again, you will move into that. His perception became his restriction. How you see and the devil will keep you in the pig pen because he doesn't want you to see the hope that you have, that there is a promise imperishable kept for you. There was an inheritance. There was still a house and there was still food. But deception disguised his destiny. I'm telling you today. Deception, Satan's deception will disguise the destiny. It will put scales over your eyes if you're not careful. To see the reality of what God has in store for you. Ephesians 1.18, Paul prays for the believers. And he says this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. In other words, he's saying, I'm praying this because I realize I was once blind. But now I see. I was once very different in my thinking and I didn't see the hope. In fact, I tried to destroy the hope. But now I want to pray for you because I realize the power of deception of Satan that he will put scales over people's eyes that these, this, this will be removed from you that your heart will be enlightened to see the glorious inheritance that you've got. And I want to say today, the devil in your sin, in your disappointment, in your discouragement, in the things you've walked through has bit by bit tried to put a scale over your eye so you can't see. But how many of you know that the power of the gospel, if he can change it for Paul, he can remove scales. He'll melt them away today. And do you know what? I remember when I got saved, the scales went in minutes. I began to see people differently. Some of you right now, you're sat in this room and I've had it. I was sat in a room, didn't want to be with any other people. I thought, these people are weird. These people are not like me. Because I was of the world. I was in a meeting in this church. I, I thought people were strange. And then I surrendered and said, well, I, I kind of want what you've got, but I don't get it. And I surrendered. And when I surrendered, the Lord opened my eyes. I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave. And I remember that day so, so well. What did we sing at the beginning? Amazing Grace. I was blind. And now I see. I remember that day. When grace touched my life, it touched my life and I could see differently. Let me tell you, it is not virtual reality. This stuff is real. It is real. It is real as real. And I'm here to tell you that because if I spend the rest of my life telling people and I see one person saved to get this, it's real. You can disregard it and say, no, I'm going off to the pig pen. I'm going to live there and I'm going to stay there in my pride. Some people will stay there in their pride and never return to the father for his inheritance is what what he's got. I want to say to you today, whatever you've done, whatever you've committed and the things you've done in your life, whatever you've done, always return. Don't stay in pride in that place. Number two, the son, the son of God, Jesus has inherited. Inexpressible, inexpressible joy to sustain us. Wow, we've got an imperishable promise and an inexpressible joy to sustain us. Do you know? I don't know about you, but if you travel a bit right, like me, and I go to different people's houses, and I was just the other day doing this, who likes the A fourteen at the moment? The joy of the A fourteen. And I went on it just the other day and every time I go, it seems like they've built another road and they've built another, it's like the whole, the landscape's changing. And um, I used to go on that road and it was quite, it was always traffic, but it was always, I knew where I was going. But now it's like, oh, another road's appeared and that takes me there. And, and just the other day I was driving with the kids in the car and, and the kids said, oh, look, dad, now you can get back into our village the other way. We'll go that way when we come back. Because, yeah, we know the plan. We know the route. We know the way. So we went to where we were going. How many of you know that when I returned, they'd shut it off? (laughs) So the very plan I had to travel back on the road that they'd just seen has now been closed again. Thankfully, I I knew my way around and I ended up going off other other roads and, and, and trying to go around another way. But it wasn't as easy. So back roads and bumpy roads and the kids are like, Dad, where are we going? I said, stick with me, son. Why didn't, why couldn't we go on the road that we saw? I don't know why they put a road closed. I don't know what they're doing because I never see them working. It's like, they just put, is it just do it just to, to sit in a tractor and just look at me arriving? And, and so I'm with the kids and we go a different way and we, we, we go on the back roads. They're, let me tell you, there ain't much joy in my car. But do you know what? Your life is the same with, as a Christian. You are going along and you think you've got it planned out. You think you know how it's all going to work. You think you know that Christian life is going to be, I'm going to do this tomorrow. This is my plan. This is my route. This is my road. Oh, and look, that's the way I'm going to go back when I come back. And then all of a sudden in your life, Peter talks about it, that even though he says you've got all these promises, I'm now going to tell you the bad news. That actually things don't go the way that you want to sometimes. And you're going to get grief in all kinds of trials. Sorry, I don't like that bit, Peter. I like the promises. I like the imperishable stuff. You sometimes are going to need the inexpressible joy that Jesus gives because the road's closed. You're going to have to sometimes in your walk understand this, that roads get shut. Doors get closed. God is the one who opens doors and shuts them as well. People always want me to pray for doors to open. He's very good at shutting them as well. He's really good. God is really good at using traffic cones. He's really good at caging things off and saying, no, do not enter. I'm like, I want to go in. Some of you right now, you want to go into things, plan your life. Posting about tomorrow, as it says in the book of James, you're trying to sh- rattle your way through the road closed. You'll get out of the car and move the traffic cones. Because you're sure there's no holes in the road. I've done that once. <laughs> Before I was a Christian, I think. I <laughs> and all the way, I, I drove down hoping that I'd never drop into some big hole. I was Sure. It was safe to go. Some of us, we will, we will do everything we can to remove these cons because God will make a way. He's the miracle worker. He's the way maker. Therefore, I can, I can shift these things. Sometimes you've got to listen to God. Sometimes you've got to understand that the trials and the problems you're going through will refine your faith, but will also lead your faith. They'll lead you in His direction. And some of us don't like this sometimes. And so what do we need? When the joys of the A14 ain't working for you, you need the joy that's inexpressible comes from the Lord. It helps you to walk through these seasons. I put here that inheritance for the future is one thing, but endurance for the journey is another. You know, we love inheritance, but we don't like endurance, do we? I mean, come on, if I go to the gym and I'm, I'm, I'm cycling away on the gym, I need endurance to get to the end of the minutes I've planned to do. The, yeah, there's going to be some inheritance at the end, but endurance is required to maintain and get to the inheritance. Because you're living in a fallen world. Some Christians believe we're trying to live in heaven. We ain't living in heaven. We're not there yet. So you've got to live as aliens in this world to some degree, ambassadors of Christ, as I said earlier. We've got to walk through this journey because we're strangers to it. We're citizens of heaven, but yet living in earth. If you tell that to your boss, you will be in HR. I'm sorry I'm I'm a stranger of this world. I'm sorry your laws don't apply to me. You don't take it that far. By, by the way, can I say that just in, in these things, we've got to stand up for our faith in our workplaces, but we've also got to respect people. It's interesting. So we've got to, the balance of that is interesting because I used to do that. I'd share my faith, but let's remember always that when we go to work, that our time is not ours. And if we abuse the time, we're stealing. Did you know that? Some people, they only think that stealing is taking a sweet from a shop. No, it's not. Stealing is when they're paid for your time to get a service, but we abuse it. So we have to be very careful because I've crossed that line sometimes. Where, and, and the enemy can end up tarnishing what you think is good for Jesus. And actually, you owe that time to them. So be very strategic and true. because, listen, they tried to do it with Jesus. They always tried to trap Jesus. I'm going off tangent here. They tried to trap Jesus, and he knew that. They tried to trap me. And so be, be very careful that the enemy doesn 't trap you in something that you think is good and righteous, because then what happens is it tarnishes what you 're trying to do and stand up for your faith. I digress, but he says this in all this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So it's not just like a certain type of trial. It's not just Emperor Nero's going to do this or you're going to have some specific problem. No, all kinds. And you know that this whole room is full of all different kinds of stuff. Okay? All of us are dealing with stuff. Some of us are dealing with things that seem bigger than others. Some of you right now, you're not facing anything, but I've got some news for you. You're going to face it. Oh, you can't say that. God protects me. No, he doesn't put a bubble around you. I know that the problems I'm going through now, do you know what I've learned? The problems I've gone through in the recent years in my life, do you know it's made me realize? That I better get ready for the next. That's not negative thinking because I put my trust in the inheritance. So the inheritance and the crown that never fades is what I'm after. Not this season. So I live my life understanding to live is Christ, to die is gain. In other words, my life is not dependent on my circumstances anymore. Because if I do focus on that, I'm never going to get anything done. So the, the key is this. You've got to understand, when stuff is happening right now, it's refining you, not so you can get out the other side and, and give a great testimony and say, it's never going to happen again. It will build you up. And I'm sorry to say this for something even worse. Sometimes. It's hard. I'm telling you the truth. You know it. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in, people do get ill. Yes, we believe in healing, but things happen. And you have to be ready and strong in your faith. It's the key. What I preached on it recently, the foundations of our faith are far more important because when the storm comes and and when it hits you, that foundation's not strong. So we want to be a church that believes in building foundations, not fancy buildings. Come on. I'd I'd rather people... Have really strong foundations so that when the tests come, then as looking glitz and glam. Come on, it's not the key. We've got to be ready for these trials and tribulations that come because we have a greater hope, a joy. And I love the fact it says that Jesus gives us this inexpressible joy. That's not just like a half measured joy that's going to help you out if you need a little bit of help every now and again. That is, this is inexpressible. This is something you can't even describe the joy that He gives wow. And do you know what I'm starting to realize? He gives me this joy inside that everything seems really hard, but yet I feel really good. Come on. Isn't it strange? Isn't it amazing? You know, you've got to put your glasses back on again and see this because some of you, what you do is you get immune to this. And I'll tell you, if, if you didn't have God in your life right now, and he's removed from your life, you'll recognize it even more. And I'm beginning to realize that I can become immune and accustomed to it. But I'm beginning to say, what happens is God wants us to, to put the glass on to see what we saw at the beginning. Remember our first love. Remember what you had at first. Remember, it's so amazing. It's amazing grace. It's so good. You've got to remind yourself of it. Because the devil will get you forgetting it. Hallelujah. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. He says this, consider it pure joy. Not just consider it partial joy. Pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I love what the New King James Version says. He it says, it says, count it all joy. Wow. Count your joy. We don't like these scriptures. Count it joy. How can I count joy this thing that's going wrong? My finances look terrible. How can I count that joy? Well, some of us need to manage our finances better. So we need wisdom from God, from the book of James, that he'll give freely. So we need to ask God to give wisdom. But some of us are going through some trials right now. And you've got to count it pure joy. Oh, you wish you hadn't come to this church today. You want to go to one that's just told you that everything's gonna be alright. <laughs> count it all joy. Pure, pure joy. I can't count I can't compute that. That don't work for me. Because this don't feel like it's I can't count like that. My son the other day came on with his homework, I'm terrible with their homeworks because they seem to know more than I do. Honestly. I'm amazed at what my eleven year old boy tells me about maths. And and the other day, I was sat with my youngest and he was doing his homework and um, he had to do some maths. And he says, we're going to do the bus stop method. I thought, there's only one bus stop I know. (laughs) Bus stop method? Does anyone know the bus stop method? Put your hand up. There's only one person in the room. (laughs) Wow. I think we're all going through a trial at the moment. And he said, we, I'm going to do the bus stop. And I said, tell me about the bus stop method. I was on Google trying to find out what the bus stop method was before I did the homework with him. And then he said, and then he, he did the message. Because I don't know if they're the right answers, dad. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know. I don't even know what the bus stop method is. So I don't even know if you got the right answer. And I'm trying to search on Google. He says, will you help me, dad? And I'm in this like kind of, I'm trying to show that I'm the father who should know the answers. I should know what the bus stop method is. So I got my calculator out. The calculator really helps, doesn't it? So I was trying to work out the answer on my calculator to see whether he'd come up with the right solution. He's going, Dad, can I have a look at the calculator? I goes, no, you can't have this, son, it's for me. You need to work out with the bus stop method that you know about. I don't know what it is. Let's see if we both come to the same conclusion, and then then we'll agree. I'm happy with that. Come on. I've done my school days. I ain't doing them again. Now the thing is this, I use my calculator, my calculator is doing the processing, it's coming up with the answer. Do you know, some of us need to get our heavenly calculator back out. We need to say, do you know what, I can't understand this because I don't understand this method. I don't understand, this does not work. Count it all joy, but you've got to get your heavenly calculator that says a different answer. It tells you the answer that God says. That Whatever you're going through right now, look up. Look up. Rejoice. Oh, no, I can't rejoice. Look at Paul and Silas. They worshipped with wounds on their back. I mean, they worshipped there with wounds. They counted it joy. And then they saw someone saved. Count it joy. Joy. Quite often, you can't work out while you're worn out with everything. But listen, you've got to look to Him again, to the One who gives inexpressible joy. Say, Jesus, I'm going through some real hard stuff right now. So will you give me that joy that's inexpressible? There's a peace also that surpasses all understanding that guards your heart and your mind. Will you give me a, give me all that? Even though it's hard, so that I have this this tension, this paradox of two things going on at once. Because I realize I've got my flesh, but my spirit, man. My spirit person. So you've got to start to say, God, I want to live by the spirit. So I'm not, whatever's happening to the flesh, I live by the spirit. Amen? Philippians 3 verse 12, Paul says this. Not that I have already obtained all this. Or have already arrived at my goal. <laughs> But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Do you know what verse 16 says? Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Do you know what I find interesting? People are always talking about pressing on towards the goal. But they don't sometimes live up to what they've already got. They're more interested in everything getting good. And the the victory at the other end. But the reality is, he says this, verse 16, he says, but we've got to catch all this, but we've we've got to be living up to what we've already obtained. And some people are complaining that there's problems. You've had a victory in your life. You've had a win. You prayed for something. God gave you that job. God gave you that car. Do you know what that was? That was a year ago you were pressing on toward the goal of, of believing that God will come through for you. But you reached there and you didn't thank God for it. And you're so busy on looking at the problem saying, I need to press on towards a goal. And God's saying, you didn't even live up to what I already gave you. Stop always talking about what it's going to be like. You've got to start thanking me for what you got now. For what you prayed for last year, because what you're living in now is the goal. So many of us don't see what we've already obtained, you see. Because the devil will say, you haven't obtained anything. I mean, I've sat with people and sometimes I'm thinking, wow, you don't even realize what you've obtained already. You're talking to me about getting through this season. Do you realize what you've obtained? The Bible says we should watch and pray. So when you pray, some of us don't like doing this, we, we don't want to watch and monitor. If you monitor, you'll find that God's done some amazing stuff for you. So even though I I preach about counting all joy and you're saying, oh, I don't like this, but you count enjoy suffering. Listen to me right now. You know in 2019 when you get to Christmas, you will look back and God has done some great things for you. Come on. But the devil will tell you he ain't done anything and you're still pushing through. Yes, you always will be. But the reality is count your blessings. My granddad used to say this all the time. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you. What the Lord has done. Come on. Simple song, great truth. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Many years ago, when I was a student, and even early days, and so tempting, and I just want to say this today, I felt to say this, but credit cards and the finance and the things that we can have for the future. I don't know about you, have you ever been in DFS? You walk through the door, they'll, they'll promise you a sofa that you don't have to pay for it till, it's, till it's died. <laughs> you sit on the sofa and you're like, do you like that one, sir? You can have that now and never pay for it until you're... In fact, you can pay for it when you're dead if you like. It's that long away. Ten years you can pay for it. The sofa's so worn out by then, you don't want to pay for it. <laughs> Credit cards. Every Christmas. I get letters through from the credit card companies. We've been thinking about you. (laughs) Have you? From the manager at Halifax. We've been thinking about you. We thought you might need just a little extra. (laughs) You're laughing because you've all got them. And you get a few through and, you know, you start to think, actually, this person really is really thinking about me. I mean, in fact, it's funny that they've sent it at Christmas because I'm, this is when I'm struggling most. In fact, they really are thinking about me. <laughs> Just when I needed it. Maybe it's the Lord opening a door. <laughs> interest rate's zero, so it should be fine. That's definitely Jesus. <laughs> it's got to be. There's no interest charge. No fees. Look, I, in my time, I, used to, I once got credit cards and I got in a mess where I was trying to, thought it was good and then ended up having to pay and trying to pay things off. And do you know what happens is, and, and, and this, is, this is a reflection of our lives. Listen to me right now. Because some of you right now are probably dealing with stuff like this, with credit cards and finance. Listen to me. You're going to get yourself in a mess if you're not careful. Live with what you've already obtained. Have, uh, we're all learning this, aren't we? Because we're in a world where it's, you're watching TV, social media, and you want what everyone else has got if you're not careful. Uh, if I don't live a life like that, because everything looks really shiny, but in reality it's not. They, they, they're going through some real trials, but they look like they've got a nice car. But the reality is this. is If we're not careful, what we do is we live in what's what many people term it, the never-never. We live in this place where it never gets paid. We live in a place, actually what we're doing is, we're not living in credit, but we're living in debit. We're living in something that is not of God. And the same applies, not with a credit card of your life, but Satan, what he will do is this. When you're in trials and tension and the things are pressing against your life, what he will do is he'll send you a letter. Through someone who says something to you. He'll try and decoy you onto something else. And he'll say, I've been thinking about you and you need a little bit of joy right now. Because the, the joy that you thought you're gonna get from Jesus ain't good enough. So you need to treat yourself. You need to have this. You need to indulge in that sin. And do you know what happens when you indulge in it and you break over that line and you go into it because you took the letter and received it and accepted it? What happens is you get yourself in debt. To sin. And what happens is you're no longer living to press on toward the goal with an expressible joy. But you're living with a fake joy. You're living with something that all you're ever doing is paying for something in the past that you had that you shouldn't have had. And God says I want to set you free from that. Because that is something that's restricting you. You press on towards my goal and you live up to what you've obtained, then I'll give it to you. Not what Satan offers. I want to encourage you today that whatever you, you may be going through some financial difficulties. Maybe you need to come and speak to us and we'll put you in the right direction. There's some fantastic organizations in this city. C3 are organizing their own. They do CAP. And some of you right now, you might be sat in this room and saying, do you know, what well, that applies to me. And I really need to get out of this mess. Listen, we want to help you, so we'll direct you to who, who can help. But listen to me, don't be tied up in these situations. But it does apply to our lives as well. Satan will attempt to tempt us for false joy. And we end up, up paying for something that is not really supposed to be ours. Finally, as I come to finish, the, number three, the spirit. We've looked at the Father, the promises of the Father, the inexpressible joy that Jesus gives in our walk. But the Spirit of God, and this is the the Trinity all working on your behalf. The Spirit has invaluable purpose to move us, to motivate us. It says this, and I just want to read this again to you to remind you. In verse 12 of 1 Peter 1, it says that as Peter, he speaks of the prophets who in the past searched into the future intently. They were looking ahead. They were looking ahead for the answers. They wanted to know when the Messiah was going to come. And it says this, it was revealed to them that they were not, get this, they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who preach the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Then it says, even angels long to look into these things. I've got something to say to you. The Father's got a promise for you. Jesus has got enough ability and grace and empowerment to sustain you through the walk. But listen, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has a purpose for you. And listen to me, it's not all about you. It's about others. Do you know what? It's amazing. These prophets are intently searching, trying to find out. We want to know, he says, about the Spirit of Christ in them, pointing towards when is this all going to happen and what's going to happen. And after they're looking ahead into the future. Do you know what they discover? It's not about them. That actually everything that the Holy Spirit is pointing towards is outward and not inward. It's pointing towards doing something else. And I've got something to say to you today. That the future, what God wants to do through you is not about you being comfortable. It's about you doing something for Jesus. It's about the Holy Spirit moving you. And actually realizing that what you're serving, listen to me right now, that the Holy Spirit is going to get you into a place, if you really submit to him, that the Holy Spirit is going to take you into a season and place where you will want to serve others and not yourself. Do you realize that every week when we are in, some of you right now, you love coming in and it's comfortable, but it's time to say, God, I'm going through some bad seasons, tough seasons, but I'm, not, I'm going to trust in your joy. I've got an inheritance to come, but my purpose sat in this room in this church is not to get me, 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 and feed me, feed me, feed me. It is actually that the Holy Spirit is pointing me actually to serve others, the next generation of people. That's what the Holy Spirit's about. He's not about us having a nice comfortable change. It says it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. So what is the Holy Spirit doing now? He's going to do things in your life and encourage you to serve others. And if you're serving yourself and your own ministry and all it is, is about, I've got to build me up. I, I, I ask you the question, is that the Holy Spirit or you? Will the Holy Spirit, this, I mean I see it around. There's, there's young people coming through in ministry. And they seem so bent on getting a website and everything looking good for them. And the reality is is that you everything should be, if you want to be successful with the Lord, just serve others. Jesus himself washed feet before he left. He says, this is the way to do it. Oh, but we like the things, God, you know, you're going to do greater things than I. No, greater things than I, but start with washing feet first. Oh no, I want to I want to see the dead raise. Now start with washing feet. Yeah, but I, I want to bypass that bit. Now start with washing feet. Because the, the spirit of Jesus will always point towards laying your life down for others. And something we all need to get a bit more of this, don't we? Laying our lives down, surrendering it for Jesus. Hallelujah. Just this week, the it's interesting, the, the climate change activists. Is it the Extinction Rebellion? Some of you might be into the whole climate change thing. I'm I'm not speaking politically. So, you know, we'd have to take care of our planet, don't we? So there's a balance, again. But it's interesting when I saw that there's this dichotomy, there's this, this tension between people wanting to get to work and then someone who's passionate about something. The reality is, is both of them have an argument. Because one's passionate. And the other one is wanting to get to work and is not so passionate. But I want to just say to you right now that the only reason that they're passionate is because they've got this mindset and they've got their statistics. They've got the information to determine what the future will hold for our planet. So that's what they put their trust in. So what makes them stand on a train and disrupt everyone? And they're so convicted by that. And everyone gets angry with it. But the reality is they're convicted by what they've read and they've put together. It's their information. But can I just remind you That the Bible tells us the end. So you know the end. And so some of us need to be so passionate that we're standing on trains and preaching the word of God. Don't stand on the trains, but you know what I mean. I know Patrick will be next week. What I'm trying to say is this. There is an internal conviction in their hearts based on something that they see in the future. Now the reality is, is not one of them, anyone on that platform really knows what's going to happen. Now we can guess, but no one knows. So there's lots of sides of the argument. So no one really knows the definitely what's going to happen. But let me remind you, the word of God tells us that this whole earth has been groaning. And let me tell you, we know the end. Jesus is coming. And I wish that some people would start preaching the gospel like they'll preach that way. And the passion that they have. Because what we do know is... There is something definitely going to happen that Christ is going to return. If only we would preach with the same passion to save the lost with what we know. It's interesting because when I've got a when we were on holiday, I had an app on my phone, and you probably most of you have gotten the weather app. And when I was on, on holiday, wherever we went. We could forecast that we knew the weather. Now the weather apps tell you whether it's going to rain at one o'clock. You can get to one o'clock and generally generally, you can avoid the rain. We were on holiday camping with the boys and it's like, right, we're going to go to there in the morning because it's sunny there and then the rain's going to hit you there so we'll drive up this way and we'll go to the swimming pool in the afternoon here because we can order our time. And, but but listen, it's not always correct, is it? You get a few surprises sometimes. Hang on, it said one o'clock, it, was, it wasn't going to rain. The sun's coming. Because what we have of the future, what we know of the future now, we can never tell. Only what we do know is what the Bible tells us. And the Spirit of God should be in our hearts, stirring us up. Listen, you don't need a weather forecast app to find out what's going to happen in the future. Just look at the Word of God. And and, and we should be looking and saying, what is it you want me to do in this season and this hour to lay my life down for someone else? How can I serve this generation and the next generation knowing what I know in my heart? In Verse 13, Peter sums all of that, what we've just looked at up. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. You'd think he'd say, Therefore, it's going to be tough. Have a week off. Think about the promises. No, I'm telling you this. Be sober minded. Be ready and prepare your minds for action. We've got to be ready because trials are going to come. Difficulties are going to come. But I'm reminding you of what is to come. We are called. Listen to me. We are called to go into the stormy places, the hardest and the darkest places. Do you know what so many of us Christians do? We have a forecast app of looking at the future. We'll only go where it's sunny. So many are streaming to churches every week all over this world, and all they're doing is they're saying, I want to go to places where it's easy and it's sunny. But do you know what Jesus did in Mark chapter chapter 4? He says, Let's go to the other side of this lake, and he takes them straight into a storm. If if Jesus had got his weather app out, he'd have said, right, boys, we're going to the other side. And look, it's going to absolutely throw it down. And the boat's going to be rocking everywhere. Hang on, Jesus, can't we go the other way? It's sunny the other way. Now, Now, we're going there. Why? I'll tell you why. Because we're going to go, and I'm going to test your faith. I'm going to get you to the other side, because we're going to the other side. But I'm going to test your faith and you're going to see that the trials are going to take us to the other side. And when we get to the other side, in Mark chapter 5, we're going to meet a demoniac who's got a lot bigger problems than you. So much so that all the people in the town where he lives, they all don't bother going up to him because their apps told them to go somewhere else. They're not interested in him, but we're going to go to him. So we're going to go through the rain and the storm we're going to go to all the places why? because the spirit of God is taking us to this man who needs help and listen to me right now we've got to start realizing what the spirit of God telling us to do and sometimes when you do it you've got to cross seas that are rough And this is what happens Jesus will give you an inexpressible joy to do what the spirit is saying amen come on he said let's go over to the other side but how many of you know that we're going to get to the other side You always get to the other side if Jesus says it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, I'm coming to finish the worship team when I come back. Matthew 10, verse 16, he says, Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Hang on. So the Spirit of God is sending us into storms and places where there's wolves. Yeah. Because that's who he is. He's the one who seeks the lost. We got to go to the hardest, the darkest. Worst places. And the Spirit of God will always move us there. I want to just say to you today, how can you serve? Maybe you can serve in this church in a way that you never thought. Maybe you need to think, I'm finding things tough right now. But despite all that, the Spirit of God is looking for me to lay my life down even though I'm in my Gethsemane. So I'm going to I'm going to in fact I'm going to help out with Treasure Kids cuz that's the next generation. I'm going to help. Oh no but but no I just want to go where it's sunny. It's time to say no. It's not about whether it's sunny or not. I'm going to serve. I lay my life down. If I can help with Ignite, if I can help on the PA, if I can help with all these different things, I want to serve the next generation. Some of you right now, you're giving your life to Jesus recently. You've got to start saying, God, what have you got for me? Because you've got an inheritance in the future. I'm going through a tough time, but I want to serve you because the Holy Spirit is telling me to do that. Right now, God is asking people to lay down their lives for him. I finish with this in Romans 15, then we're going to stand and worship. Romans 15 verse 2 to 4, to summarize this, Paul says this, each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me, for everything that was written in the past was written to teachers, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope.